Recording straight out of Five Scotland, you're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts Stuart Sullen and the Magic Mike Christie. Hey. Hello and welcome to episode 230 of the Films and Swearing movie podcast and we've arrived at the season finale of the IMDb Top 250. Yeah, it took a wee bit longer than what we initially planned. Yeah, I think maybe like maybe about a month later than yeah. probably how we planned it originally. Yeah. But life gets in the way. Um, so yes, it is our final destination. We have arrived at the number one spot. Yes, sir, we are reviewing Frank Darabont's The Shawshank Redemption. The number one film on IMDb as voted by 2.1 million users. And obviously second place is The Godfather. And I had a look and I was like, how close are they? Like, is there a chance that Godfather could take over? No. <laughs> Shawshank Redemption has an additional million votes on it. I mean, do you think it could just be like folks just like voting for it even though they've not seen it? Like... Like take for instance, um, if you go on IMDb and you look up uh, "Once Upon a Time in Hollywood," yep, it's sitting with a nine point five rating, and mm. people are rating it fucking ten and nine. And how many of those cunts have actually seen the film? And they're rating it based on the fact that like they love everything that Tarantino's done, and they've not even seen the fucking film yet. Things like that should be locked. Yeah, like you shouldn't be able to like review a film until like, like, like general release. You should either be sort of like. With Rotten Tomatoes, you should either be a critic who will have like a, a certain account, it. like people that's went to Cannes and saw it. Like they should be allowed to, like those journalists who have special credentials to vote and put their stamp on it because they've seen it. You can't just go on it because uh, Captain Marvel they got spammed when they were saying uh, Brie Larson didn't want to get interviewed by the same white male journalist on this press junket she wanted to see everyone yeah. so then it was getting fucking zero stars it was getting absolutely hammered on Rotten Tomatoes yeah. and the film wasn't even out yet and had to reset it and they had to actually fucking delete all the votes so it could just get a legitimate chance Yeah. so it's right I reckon why I could go on my phone and go give like fucking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or um fucking what you cry it part two and just go on and just rate these films how I please just because it's how I feel right now about that film yeah because I could just see the, the fucking trailer for like Chagos play uh, like a lot of the fans are going oh fuck this noise one star a couple of weeks later Mark Hamill's cast as Chucky oh man I might make this ten stars now this just sounds like the film yeah. I want like don't I'm always like I've, I've not done it but I might, I might do it a little after the podcast I might actually go and read some of the reviews on that uh, Liam Neeson's co-pursuit and oh, see yeah. see what people was like anything about him clubbing black aye, bastards yeah. <laughs> purely for that aye because well that was it they did that was on the press junket for that film wasn't it yeah. when he said those those words and I don't think he's quite recovered because obviously yeah kind of Men, and, bombed, uh, Men in Black International came after yeah but he's microscopic on the poster he's not in any of the trailers so it's kind of like okay he's in the film but let's just not put him at the front 
Yeah. Let's shove them to the back. And I mean, like, Cold Pursuit was, was alright. Ah, it was quirky. I was trying to be a wee bit like Fargo, but yeah. I just didn't. I had, a, I had like a funny wee sense of humour to it. It made me think, like, as if it was like maybe like a comic book adaptation where I had a, a sense of humour to it, but definitely Coen Brothers-esque. But it was a remake. Yeah. I know it's it was, ah, it? Ah, it the same director. Uh, when you look back on it, there's another one called Cold Pursuit, and it's still in Skarsgård, playing the Liam Neeson role. Ah, so yeah. I think if that makes it a Swedish yeah, film, but it's the, the exact same story, yeah. but an American remake. So already it's kind of diluted, but it was strange. I was expecting your standard Neeson yeah, like, like, like taking knockoff. Yeah, like ever since Taken, yeah, like he's just he's in everything and, and everything has to kind of have that Taken feel. Yep, because I see he had um, Taken on a Plane, non-stop. Yeah. Taken on a Train. If you mean that, I've still not seen that yet. Yep. Um, he done a lot, like Walk Amongst Tombstones. I actually quite liked that one. I watched I that one. I watched that recently this year on Netflix, and it was pretty good. I feel like if you look at his last ten films, at least yeah. half of them look like there was taking one that he done um, called Run All Night. Yeah, and it was him and it was his son mm-hmm. who was involved in like fucking like. Is that one with Mark Strong? Mm, no, I might be thinking of another one. Um, I think Ed Harris was in it. I think. All right. Wrong. Try to think. But yeah, it was just one of those ones where it's like, this is right. Just okay. And then he said that thing, and now Hollywood's kind of shunning him. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't call silence taken on a American. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, taken on a feudal Japan island. <laughs> I mean, he's the oh. one that's missing there. Yeah. So, you know, he's okay. the one that's been taken. Ah, exactly. That's how <laughs> fucking score. Been... That's how Scorsese should have pitched it. <laughs> Taken's been took. Aye. They've gone taking our taker. <sighs> now we're sending fucking uh, Kylo Ren and fucking second generation Spider-Man to go get him <clears> back. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> Aye. So... Uh, film quiz? Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see. Grab a couple for there. So, whoever gets the first one to three right wins. Yeah. <coughs> Who got it last week? Me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll let you go first. Yeah, it was like, it was like a no-brainer. With the last question. Oh yeah, I could finally remember it now. Is it not like First Blood? Yeah. Or like who who's the star of First Blood? Yeah. <laughs> fucking... Wait, is Last Blood this year? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no chance of the Kino getting in and them. Nah, maybe maybe the big screen, but nah, no, yeah. not local. Um oh yeah, these ones have got two questions on them. Yeah. Go for the movie one if it's there. They're both movie. Okay. Right, okay. Uh, easily. Um, which film starred Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson as unlikely superheroes? 
That's, that was a close one. Uh, unlikely superheroes. Now, I imagine this is not the new one. Yeah. It will be uh, Unbreakable. Yeah. As soon as you said Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson, like, Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> like, superheroes. <laughs> well, they're kind of super, but <laughs> they didn't quite have capes. <laughs> uh, for yourself. Yikes. Okay. Uh, the other one's a TV, so I can't tell you. Um, in which year did Alfred Hitchcock die? Oh. <laughs> oh, that's a stumper. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have got, fucking got it. Um, it's either that, or I could give you the television question, which is, in which year did New Girl premiere? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> um, I'll, take, uh, I'll take a stab in the dark at Alfred Hitchcock. I'll say... 1983. Oh, 1980. Ugh. There's three Shia Lamarck. Alright. <clears throat> Draw. Which character did Jack Nicholson play in Batman? The Joker. <laughs> I even feel just like, just even saying it's a man, that is a lousy question. <laughs> <laughs> what was the TV question? Uh, which TV show was created by Gene Roddenberry? Oh, fuck. Star Trek. Aye. <laughs> yeah, I would never have got that one. Oh. I've, I've got like an easy one, and then I've got... It could be easy, but somewhat maybe advanced. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I'm going to give you the easy one. Uh. What is the name of the protagonist in Alien? Oh, it's fucking Ripley, yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember her first name? Ellen. That's it. Do you want to know what the... Yeah, let's go. Uh, which US state is the film Fargo set in? Oh, it's Minnesota, eh? It is. I shouldn't have dealt with you. Yeah, it's just a quirky accent. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I can't fucking mimic the accent. I want to, but I can't. Um, ready to... Two TV questions. Can't get that. That is a another. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how they've done these. Who sang the theme song for Diamonds Are Forever? Diana Ross. Oh, that's a close and last probably who I would have said. Yeah. Uh, she's black. Uh, <laughs> Shirley Bassey. All right, Liam Neeson. That's enough. <laughs> Shirley Bassey. <laughs> okay. So, at uh, one all. Um. No, two. You've had two, right? I need this one to tie it. Okay. Two TV. Two TV. Oh, again, it's like dead easy, or <laughs> this might stump you. Yeah, fuck it, whatever. Let's All right, go. who played the monster in the 1931 version of Frankenstein? Boris Karloff. Boom! There you go. See, I didn't doubt you that time. The the, the easy question was, uh, what film contained the line, I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse? Yeah. Yeah, I can't do the, the Brando. Yeah. So... 
Who directed Avatar? Oh, Big Jim. Yeah. James Cameron. Yeah. That it? Yep. Okay. So, Avatar 2 and 3, eh? What the fuck? And he's gonna, obviously. He's gunning for the throne, he'll be wanting back after after fucking Endgame takes it. Yeah. I'm telling you that, that additional 8 minutes, 6 minutes, 5 minutes on at the end will probably be enough. If See, if it was just six minutes of, like, Thor with fucking Korg and that, I would go and see it. I would go. <laughs> it's, it's just rated 18 because they just use any language they want. They're just fucking tearing fucking holes in the people online. Yeah, I would watch that. <laughs> what was the pal cried? Meek. Just meek. Meek. Yeah. Ah. Okay, so... Now time to tackle Shawshank Redemption from writer-director Frank Darabont. I knew very little about Frank. I had a look at his IMDb page. Yeah. He's kind of had some credit. He's never been huge. Yeah, the only, other, done some the only fu- other one I noticed was Green Mile, that was it. Aye, so he's got two fucking stotters of like some films under his belt. And then he's like doing writing and directing random episodes of The Walking Dead and... Ah, yeah, I fucking forgot. He done, he done like the first episode and stuff like that. Eh? That was ah, how they marketed it. Yeah. There were some other ones, but I was like, ah, that's really random. So the film stars. Tim Robbins as Andy Dufresne. Uh, Morgan Freeman as Elias Boyd. Red. Redden. Bob Gunton as Warden, Warden Norton. William Sadler as Haywood. Clancy Brown as Captain Hadley. Gil Bellows as Tommy. Mark Rolston as Boggs Diamond. James Whitmore as Brooks Halton. Yep. Mike, what is the plot to The Shawshank Redemption? Um, it tells the story of Andy Dufresne, who is wrongly convicted, serving a two life sentence from double murder. Yep. Now it is. Uh, Based on a Stephen King novella. Short, short yeah. novel, eh? Yeah. yeah. Cried Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. I think that it kind of shows, that it comes up in the titles. Eh? Aye. And at first I was like, what the fuck, who's Rita Hayworth? What's that all about? And it, it makes sense. It's a pivotal plot point. Um, so it's got it's given writing credits to both of us, like Stephen King and Frank Darabont. He'd obviously bought the rights and then fucking just wrote the script yeah so it's funny just to see that it was just him that put pen to paper because nowadays you look and it's like everyone's had a hand and like when I saw Toy Story 4 yesterday there was like two separate credits there's like a story by and it came up four people written by three people it's like man a lot of folk put work into these films it was just rare to then see one dude sat and wrote fucking Shawshank hmm so, Mike, uh, was this the first time you've watched The Shawshank Redemption? Uh, no, it was not. Uh, it was my only, only my second walk, like, watch through fully from start to finish. Yeah. Like, I've, I've seen it years ago, I think I missed it when I was at college. And then, like, it, like it's forever on, like, ITV, mm-hmm. fucking two, three and four. And, yeah. Like, just... 
I like Michelle quite likes it, so like whenever it comes on, Michelle will watch it. Yeah. And I, and so like last night was the first uh, well, first of me watching it from start to finish in mm-hmm. quite a long time. Aye, I I always remembered. Uh, I've I've seen it before as well, but I would remember it famously being a fucking really long film. And then looking at it, I was like, oh, it's like two hours and 17 minutes. Yeah. This is nothing. Like, through studying for this podcast. Yeah, considering that Good, the Bad and Ugly was like two minutes shy of three hours last week. Exactly. Fucking Endgame's over three hours. Deer Hunter's three hours. There's the amount of films we've watched this year that kind of go over the three hour mark. It's gone to the point where two hours is like, ah, that's nice and short. Yeah. Fucking ninety minutes is a short film. I fucking surprised nowadays, but yeah, I actually expected it to be three hours, and then when it popped up on Amazon Prime saying it was like two hours seventeen, I was like, ah, that's not bad. Yeah. Now, um, I was gonna say, did you have any early memories of this film? To be honest, I can't remember. No. There was nothing significant. I think it's one of these films I'll probably end up watching with my parents like on a Saturday night for like the first time because it's not too graphic. Like all the scenes where like Boggs goes to fucking rape Andy. Yeah, then actually it cuts see it away. Anything. The camera zooms out and disappears. Yeah. You don't. Like, actually... The only really like like violent bits is obviously with Captain Hadley and that way. Battering fat ass at yeah. the start. Yeah, and yeah. Obviously battering Boggs later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like they're the probably the more graphic parts of the film, but aye, I I can I just imagine I thought there was like a proper rape scene, like like just I think it must be another film where someone was getting raped in the fucking showers or something, mm. getting up the ass, dropping soap and all that stuff. So I was surprised it was near this film. Yeah, but it's there's something magical about this film. Like obviously. I like the film. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself? Um, I quite quite like it. Like, I think the like the stories stories well told. Yeah. Uh, like the characters like in the prison and stuff like they're they're kind of like they're like almost like family kind of sort of thing because obviously they're serving like like long like life sentences and stuff. <clears throat> and I mean, like each of them have all got their own kind of like unique mm-hmm. like they're, tropes and stuff. Like they're that. not like too dense two-dimensional extras, like, everyone kind of has a characteristic, like, fucking Brooks, and he, uh, his wee adopted crow, and... Yeah, kind of reminds you, uh, oh, fuck, cinnamon the character in Grimeo, it's like, like, the wee mouse. Yeah, aye, I, I just remind it's Mr. Jinx, but yeah. the old guy, exactly. Oh, I can't remember his fucking, yeah. Kinship with a pet, but, um, it's even just through, like, the beautiful narration of like Morgan Freeman telling the story. Yeah. Like I know people often refer to like March of the Penguins as like kind of the the thing that established that famous narrating voice. But I th- I'd imagine probably Shawshank Redemption was the film that got him the gig for March of the Penguins because uh. the dude just has that soothing voice and like he could be a proper storyteller with that voice. Yeah. And the characters are so well written. Like, their stories, and I forgot the film started with Andy, like, at the court, 
I just I thought it was him on the bus <clears throat> arriving at Shawshank, but yeah, because at the start of the film, it's him like sitting in the like truck with a gun in his hands. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then it cuts over to him like pleading his case. Yeah, and I like that where you're left to think like you're not showing him doing the killing, so you you have to assume like did he do it? Did he not? Yeah, like. He's obviously marked as guilty, but it's not until like the introduction of Tommy's character far later in the film you get the truth. Yeah. But ah, it kind of gives you the idea as well. He's it's the quiet type. That's the type you have to look out for. Yeah. And, and I mean, like the thing about like <clears throat> like way Andy also like like Tim Robbins has like some really like good roles mm-hmm. under his name. That like um. You ever seen that uh, Jacob's Ladder? No. It's he plays a Vietnam like war veteran and he's like suffering with like PTSD and stuff like that and he kinda has all these visions and he's in like a kinda like a psychiatric like hospital and stuff and it's yeah. like like really dark fucking shit. But mm-hmm. like his role's really good in it. Uh-huh. And then <clears throat> another like one is one I quite like is his role alongside Jeff Bridges and Alan and Road where the the two of them are like neighbours and it ends oh, right. up being uh, Tim Rollins plays like a fucking like a terrorist oh but like obviously unsuspecting yeah but he plays his roles like that good aye the only other film that jumps to my mind when I'm thinking of Tim Robbins is him being the fucking weirdo and Tenacious D the pick of destiny is he not the weird guy in the diner oh and the crutches yeah oh yeah aye I remember watching like, you were in Shawshank. What are you doing here? Fuck. Mystic River. Oh, yeah. Aye, yeah. aye. Because I did look at his IMDb earlier when writing all this, and Mystic River was the film that was ranked ahead of fucking Shawshank. Wow. Was he one of the leads in it? Aye, uh, he was... Because um, is it three of them? Like, Kevin uh, Bacon. Kevin Bacon, Sean Penn. Sean Penn, and, that's it. Uh, Tim Robbins. Yeah. Aye, but no, I did love how he's such like an earnest character. They talk about him being a hot shot banker, and he, he utters that great line. Like obviously, when he's kind of come around and he's got everyone, he's doing the tax forms for everyone, all the guards and guards for neighbouring towns coming over to play baseball are all bringing their paperwork with them, <laughs> and he's also having a bit of side action by creating that as Andy Wright or, or Alex Wright, like this fake name. Yeah, but he's like. I was an innocent man and I only learned to become a crook after being put in prison. And it's like one of those lines where you see fucking uh, Red properly break out laugh. I thought it was quite a good line, but it's like a real earnest character. Like his efforts to try and get funding for the library and yeah. writing a letter every week. But it is. And it's just the long con with the poster. Yeah. How it's mentioned like he wants Rita Hayworth. And he's like, well, give me a couple of weeks and I'll get her. He's like, yeah, like the film does dabble in a lot of foreshadowing, especially at the start. Yeah. And I do like just um, Red's reaction. He's like, I'll take a couple of weeks. I'm like, a couple of weeks? I've not got a couple of weeks. He's like, well, I don't have her stuff down my pants. <laughs> Aye. It is. Like, there are a bunch of horny bastards in the cinema because yeah. the woman was just like flicking her hair and they're all like wolf howling. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, uh, it's, it's, it's just like one of these things, it's like a classic film. 
even though it's it's mid nineties, early nineties. Yeah, mid nineties. But it is an absolute fucking cla- like classic of the genre. Like for it's maybe even fair to say it's like a classier prison movie. Mm. Like it, it's not a gritty one. It's not bloody violent. Maybe I'm trying not to say the word realistic, because it, <laughs> if you were going to prison, you kind of hoped you were being put in Shawshank and not in Scum. Yeah, like you wouldn't want to end up, you know, having like fucking Captain Hadley, like on you every night, pretty much. Exactly, getting your fucking toys with <clears> the, <throat> the baton, and that is it. That fucking opening thing where when they're on the bus. Yeah, when they're all coming in and all the guys are going, "Oh, fresh fish!" and they're all fucking motioning like they're fishing hooks and they're all yeah. sitting whistling to them. It's been they're taking all the bets, obviously, who's going to kind of like break first. Exactly, and those red picks. Andy. Yeah. And it did not cost him fucking two packs of smokes or something. Yeah. And it was just like fat ass. And it, like they're all teasing. The guy's yeah. like, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm going to go home. And it's like, oh, they're going to love your big blubber butt. And they just, <laughs> just made him cry. And then, like, obviously, it's, for it's, it's, all, it's all like lighthearted. And then, obviously, when Captain Hadley shows up, Starts. it just it goes really fucking yeah, like, deadly was, serious. Because what is the guy with like. There's always in the tank top with the, the stammer. Is it Hayward? Hayward. Like, um, Brooks holds a knife to his neck. Aye, Hayward, aye. Yeah, because yeah. he's the guy that's winding up fast. Yeah. And I keep using the name fast because that's how he's credited in yeah, the film. Yeah, he's credited as fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've, got um, a, I've got an interesting trivia point regarding fast, but I'll get ah. to it later. And it's just one of those things where even he, it's like, oh, God, be quiet, stop talking. Like, Handley's coming out now. You really need to just. Yeah. And like, like he, he doesn't know the system. Yeah, and like he just proper doesn't hold back, yeah. and it just it looks, it looks like like unflinching to watch, and aye, like especially when he just like punts him in the face. Aye, and that's him out cold because there's like fucking half a dozen cracks, <clears> and he's resisting. He's got his hands up, and he just fucking boots him yeah. across the face. And then and that's then, the only time you see him, and then the, the next the, day they see that he's dead. So. Aye, and you're just thinking, oh fucking like, hell, was it hardly? Killed him or did he kill himself? Well, he says it the where obviously fucking Hayward's all getting his, his cigarettes and he's calling to the guy that was in where were they taking him? The infirmary. Infirmary, and he was calling to like the inmate for there saying, "Hey, how's my horse doing?" Because it's all just a fucking nah. a big bet to him. And it's like he's dead. The fucking doctor left at seven, just lay there all night. Came in the morning, dead, and they're all like. <laughs> like the second sobering moment of the film I know. it was like ah fuck's sake and it just obviously it just got covered up I guess it was just never found out uh, there was like no press on these things until fucking Andy uncovers it all at the end and just fucking drags the name through the mud yeah Um, one of the first things I noticed about the film at the start during the credits was Roger Deakins ah, as the director, director of photography. Yes. And, I mean, like, obviously, like, back in the days, like, you probably, like, obviously, we never really got in, introduced to Deakins to, like, say, like, Sicario and stuff like that, and then, obviously, yeah. Blade Runner 2049. Aye. But, like, you can kind of tell with that, like, like style of, like, photography, yeah. especially the tracking shot at the start where it's mm-hmm. gone over the whole ah, prison with the vans coming in. Exactly. There's some huge shots like that where there's one where 
It looked like it was a big aerial shot and it comes down. I think it was when they were tarring the roof and yeah. hardly had a uh, frame over at the edge of the roof and it looked like it come down and focused in on Andy and it's like I can only describe it as I'm sweeping cinematography. Like yeah. it was definitely it wasn't like a fucking T V movie. Like they were properly classing it up with some of that cinematography being used. Yeah. But um you find a Morgan Freeman in this film? I I quite like his he's kinda of like like the father figure of the bunch, you know, like mm-hmm. he's been because obviously the first glimpse you get of him is at the start of the film where he goes get to his. see the parole board. Yep. And like they can obviously they didn't tell you what he's like it's never discussed in the film no. what he's done. Um and they apparently in the short story they were saying that he killed his wife hmm. and his daughter, I think. Right. Or is it no, he was he, right, he killed his wife and his next door neighbour's wife and daughter. Right. By rigging a car. Okay. And trying to like cash in his wife's like insurance. Oh, okay. And the two of them ended up being in the car with her. Right, oh, all right. But that was, that was what was explained in the wee, uh, yeah. the, the wee uh, novella. Yeah, the Stephen King book, yeah. But, um, like, obviously, you see him, he's, like, you can ask him if he's going to be, like, a danger to the public. And he's, like, he's, like no, he's, like, kind of, kind of learn my Completely lesson, reconditioned. Like, yeah, like, really rehabilitate and stuff. That's it. And it's just, it's obviously, like, denied. Yeah. And, like, that kind of becomes, like, the recurring theme, like, is, like, obviously, as the film skips in, like, ten years, it's him in front of the parole board yeah, again. Yeah, you see it about... Three sequences, three yeah. yeah, and it's known to the third time that he's released, and it kind of comes off as like a wee bit like 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 racist kind of. Ah, like they're, trying, they're making up for. Yeah. Aye. Because the film's obviously set in like late forties, early fifties. Right. And I mean, like I was saying, like, like Red's kind of like the father figure of the. Totally. And like he, he's been there always, you know, Aye. you know. Exactly. That's that's the person like that you want to find in a prison that knows the lay of the land, where to go, where not to go, and knows how to get you stuff. Yeah. You know what was this cut? Ten, twenty percent. Aye. So. But I did like it was just his fucking narration over it, where he's talking about how he'd never met Andy for the frame. Didn't like the look of him at first, and then when he finally spoke to him and he asked for like a wee hammer and chisel. Yeah. Well, the wee. Just a wee chisel, wasn't it? Ah, it's like a wee pickaxe. A wee pickaxe. And it's like, if you're planning breaking out, like, it's going to take some time. And then when they see the size of the hammer, he fucking laughs. Uh, and it's just like, it is a big job. <laughs> he literally does use the hammer. Like, the fucking the, the vital piece of evidence they pull out of the fucking swamp is a wee worn out hammer at the ends. <laughs> it's like, the bastard did it! Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's the thing, like, when you speak to people... About like Shawshank Redemption, every like thing is like the film's like notorious for like like also the ending and stuff. Yeah. And like, like, like I didn't think you can ever say to somebody, "Oh, you're seeing Shawshank Redemption," and they won't have a clue how it ends. Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows how it ends. Yeah. And and the thing is like when I was watching it last night, I forgot that even after he escapes, it still goes on for about twenty minutes. Aye, that's 20, it. 20, you're thinking. Minutes. He breaks out, he's in the rain, and then credits. He just And then it's like, okay, back in the prison. Oh, Red's up for fucking parole. Oh, he's yeah. out. 
Oh shit, is he gonna hang himself? No. <sighs> okay. It was like a long walk for a field, and then they're. And it's like, Jesus Christ, this. Yeah. Is like... It's kind of like uh, Return of the King. Ah, <laughs> you think it's finished, but we've got three more endings. Yeah. Um, I did like. Um, I mean, Brooks. Brooks Halton was a good character, but it's like the saddest story of the film. Yeah, like that story kind of shows like the impact of like prison life and how if you become accustomed to it and then yeah. you're reintroduced to society and the world's changed around you. Yeah, and yeah, you have no idea. Mm, that man probably was in there for 20, oh, 30, 40 years. Yeah. Who knows? And then he comes out and he's fucking walking in front of cars. He's too slow to bag a bag of groceries. He's, he's not not meant for that world. Yeah, and like you see him when he talks with his like, narration, when he's writing a letter and stuff, he's talking about... Ah, uh, that's not like, meant for me, I should be. Yeah, like he's going to like rob a fucking shop and that to get put back in and stuff. Exactly. And, and I mean... <laughs> I was about to have like, I should have fucking cut Haywood's throat. Why did Andy talk me out of it? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, Bruce's character was pretty good. Like, he was like... Like, also, you first kind of get introduced to him when... Andy goes to sit down at the dinner table and he's got that wee, like, dead oh, the, maggot. Oh, maggot. And he's like, you're going to have it? I thought it was like a hazing. Yeah. Where he's like, oh, man, the, the inmates eat maggots. But no. You got your cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> oh, life. Uh, but it was one of those things was like, oh, fuck, what's going on here? But he's just, he's just got look like a wee budgie in his pocket. Yeah. And, like, obviously that kind of, like, that's the fact that he, he's, he looks after that Throughout the years, and by the time you let it go, it's like a full fucking fucking crow size crow. Yeah, because it does have a time lapse. Like, sure, Morgan Freeman's character talks about it being it's two years before Andy because he was getting picked on by the yeah. the cried that Boggs gang was it the sisters? Yeah, yeah. It was like a weird nickname because there's like two old dudes, and then that it looked like a fucking ginger James Can. Hmm. Well. What was it Bugs Diamond? Yeah. Um, we're fucking tormenting him for two years. So and then when he went to go into the fucking library, and there's the fucking fully grown black crow sitting craw like calling at him. Yeah. So that there shows you how time's fucking passed, because fucking Brooks. So the characters all kind of look the same. I'm not sure if they went to the effort of fucking dusting. Uh, Morgan Freeman's hair as the film went on. I mean, or... as the film went on, you noticed Andy had a wee bit of grey around there. I never really noticed much on red. I reckon if you would say you noticed it much on the warden. Yeah. Aye. And I mean, obviously, like, on the topic of the warden, mm-hmm. like the guy that played um, Norton. Aye. He's been in a few films where he plays like he's kind of got that look, yeah, like that smug authority. Like you could see him as a high school principal and yeah, or the dean at a college, and he is like just where one of these folks was like, ah, I hate this prick. You're meant to hate him. Oh god, but um, obviously when you get introduced him, obviously he's like believes in the Bible and stuff like that. Aye. He was like, like he believes in discipline in the Bible. Which when you're going to like learn about both in mm-hmm. here, and like he's just he's just got that like, kind of look about him that as the film goes on, that like, you also get this get to see like what he's like. Aye, and 
he is. He's just a fucking like a weasel that you like you could tolerate, but his actions later on in the film, he just like he becomes despicable. Yeah. And the fact that he's kind of clutching on to Andy because he's actually yeah he's quite pivotal. He's he's, no, a, he's milking Andy basically. For exactly. They describe him as like this talented banker, this big shot banker. And says, well, while he's incarcerated in my prison, we'll make use of him. Yeah. And he gets him doing the fucking books for him and doing like... That kind fucking... of sounds along the same lines of the, like the plot to that fucking Longest Yard. Oh, aye. With Adam Sandler and that. Yeah. And the prison warden uses him to coach a football team because he was a, he was, he was a football player, I was. Yeah. Aye. I'm trying to remember if I ever did watch the Burt Reynolds what, original. No, nah, I never ever watched. I watched the Vinnie Jones Meat Machine, but that's totally different. Yeah. But I've never seen the Burt Reynolds one. The only thing I can remember about The Longest Yard, like the Adam Sandler one, is um, Courtney Cox's big bowling ball tits. Uh, um, so many bits about that film. Yeah. Um, and Austin Kevin, dropping N-bombs. Yeah, Austin dropping N-bombs at M. Kevin Ke- Nash on the hormones. Yeah, hormones. Aye, sitting greeting about his nipples. I I vividly remember going to see that film in cinemas and then going home and ordering it off of cdwow.com, like the the Region 1 American fucking DVD, because I was out. Yeah. And then I had it on fucking Region 1 DVD like a week later after seeing it in cinemas. <sighs> but, aye. That's just the first thing that comes into my head is... The scantily clad Courtney Cox would right the very start of the film. Eh? Big plastic tits and it's like, holy <laughs> cow, Monica's had some work done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back to the film. Um, Tommy was like, I kind of it's like one of these things to kind of keep the story going because uh, there's a lot's going on. Is it right? It feels like we're three quarters in. Let's introduce a new character. And he is, he's kind of like, he looks like a greaser aye, punk. Aye, he's a young bucker. Exactly, looks like he has fallen straight out of Greece. Fucking Danny Zuko stabbed somebody. <laughs> Here he is in prison. But I do like how he's, he comes across as confident. And yeah, because when he's talking, obviously, about when he gets caught robbing with the TVs. He's got smart ass lines. And, and fucking Andy makes the joke where. He said something, I can't remember the line he said, but it was like one of those ones where it said like he was antagonising Tommy, and Tommy's like, what the fuck are you saying? Are you starting something? And he said, no, no, we're all innocent here. And it's like a line that was used on Andy at the start of the film, and all the inmates, it's like Andy's accept, well, he's already well accepted into the group at that point, but and it's just like they're hazing the new kids. Yeah. And it, it's, it's strangely wholesome at times, where it's just like, it's Get to see he's been accepted. He's not being fucking bullied by the sisters anymore. Yeah. Having to do fucking forced BJs in the projection booth. <laughs> it's this fucking speech where. Oh, fuck. Where if, if you put it in my mouth, I'll have to bite it off. And it says, Aye, it's like any I'll in, stab you in the ear. you put it in my mouth, you're going to lose. Aye, that's it. And it says, Well, I've got this big fucking shiv. <laughs> and it says, Well, let me. Let me tell you about Lockjaw. <laughs> ah, it's the thought of that. It's like, oh. It's oh the no. image of where they're saying uh, sometimes they've had to use fucking crowbars. To pry their jaw. Exactly. And the guy's like, nah, just packing his dick back in his drawers. Yeah, nope. Like, 
Not today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dick Shriveler going, no, 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 don't make me go in there. <laughs> don't go back in the hole. Because <laughs> uh, that was it. It was him and his pal because he, he smacked him across the face with like the... The reels. Aye, the big fucking... Like, the, the big frames that they were on is, oh, you're going to be blowing me. I'm going to be blowing my pal Smokey. You've broken his nose. You have to make it up to him. Is like, I'll fucking chew your dicks off. All right, maybe no then. <laughs> but we'll find you. I did like that bit because it's just like one of these things like he fucking scares them the boy's smart so he just fucking drops some knowledge on them and they calculate in a way yeah they they say ah how do you think we'll bother and then it cuts to fucking Boggs getting absolute beaten yeah after getting a week in the hole yeah now wait does he get the whole first or beaten and then in no he gets uh, the whole first because obviously they beat up Andy and they put him in the infirmary for a month yes and then they put Boggs in the hole for a week aye comes out and is that right your time's up he's like it's your world it is it's like the line it's your world and I just live in it where he goes it plays along but (laughs) does not go to his cell or fucking Hadley's waiting for him Hadley's waiting for him aye it's that fucking great image him crawling, crawling out and he's just getting dragged back and he's like no <laughs> and everyone's just turning because they're just they fucking love Andy like the whole like what was the fucking care package they more or less put together for him coming back stones aye they all gathered rocks for him aye because they they know the side detail yep so they like to polish rocks for him and the Rita Hayworth poster yeah and it was on the house and it's just the fucking like and it's that it's the narration we read where he's like he's like two things happened that day he's like like Andy never got attacked again yep and Boggs never walked again <laughs> no it's brutal <laughs> it's fucking brutal and you fucking just see this image of Boggs like in the wheelchair, in the wheelchair with a neck brace neck brace on fucking arm and a fucking sling is all beating and uh, fucking bruised way got... shift after a what was it a low level security ah uh, because he's a fucking cripple now <laughs> Getting all his meals fed through a straw. <laughs> Probably doesn't even feel getting his dick sucked either. <laughs> Nobody know if it got bitten off now. <laughs> because obviously, like, like obviously with the relationship with the prison officers and like Andy and that, like Hadley as well. Hadley, I guess like I quite liked Hadley for a mm-hmm. wee bit, and like when he was telling that story when they were on the. The roofs about he's fucking yes. getting the phone call for, like the was that a brother, or a yeah, brother saying or a that cousin or something. Like there was money being left for him and aye. and it, obviously the, so tax, pissed. Aye. the tax system would obviously fuck him for it. Exactly, and it was just like Andy saw his opening. He just fucking stood up straight, stared at him, and was walking towards him, and fucking red, and all the guys are freaking out, going, "Andy, no, no, yeah, you gotta get fucking killed. What are you doing? Like just do the work." And it's just like a moth to a light going, <laughs> I could give you tax advice. But it's just it's when he like approaches them and instantly all you hear is a fucking shotgun getting cocked. Ah, and they're all fucking battens out there ready to knock his fucking teeth out for walking up to him. And it's the line's like, Do you trust your wife? Like Yeah, <gasps> it's like <laughs> you're surprised you know seen Annie launch like a lawn dart off the roof of the fucking <laughs> of fucking Shawshank. But it was it's like he buried the leads. He was like, I've got to wind this ticket. Do you trust your wife? <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to throw you off the roof because give the money to her. Uh, and it is, it was a clever bit of advice where 
And he's like, I'll, like, I'll do all the paperwork. And he's like, I'll, I'll save you thousands. You, she could keep all the money. If you trust her, then you get it. Dax man gets nothing. Yeah. It, and and it is, it's like, all I ask is that you get some, like, some beer from a, was it my colleagues? Uh, uh, and the fucking guy in the back like, colleagues? <laughs> they're, they're fucking inmates. It actually reminded me of something. I mind a guy came into my work and he was talking about his work experience and there's like a lot of outdoors work and they're looking at it and said, that wasn't the outdoors ex- like work experience. It was fucking community service he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> he was classing his work experience. Uh, but... <laughs> But it was just I like the line where he's saying like working like these guys have been working hard and there's nothing better than getting some cool suds like fucking down your throat on a day like this. Yeah. And, and it is it's a ballsy thing to ask, like bottles of beer for everyone. Yeah. Not like six bottles of beer for myself and I might share them with my powers, but no, everyone here gets a bottle of beer. Yeah. And I'll sort out your tax issues. And it's just got that shot of them all fucking sitting there, choking in a beer. Fucking Hayward chokes and spills it down himself, doesn't he? Uh, he fucking coughs and he's like wiping it off his chest, <laughs> fucking licking up. Because when the fuck is he going to get another bottle of beer? Exactly. And there's just Andy. Just sitting. Yep. Watching it care. in the shades. And I think it was Hayward that tried to give him a bottle, wasn't uh, it? Yeah. And he's, he was just saying that he's giving it up. He's off the drink now. Uh, Aye. And that's it again, it is. It's like moments like that where the film is really wholesome. Like he's done a favour that he didn't need to do, yeah. but he's just like won over everyone that's worked on that rooftop for him. Yeah. And it was like 10 o'clock in the morning, wasn't it? Aye. And they're all chucking down bottles of beer. <laughs> like, no work's getting done that day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but aye, the, 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 going back to Tommy, he was like Andy's pet project. And it was good to see how he kind of taught them, like, fucking taking them back to the alphabet. Like, it shows you how far back and the whole thing where Andy was sitting his high school exams and fucking freak to scrumble. Ah, yeah. Trash the paper, walked away, and you still had fucking Andy mail it away and get some results, and they're all fucking really excited. But it's just when he fucking, when Red tells him about how he ended up supposedly killing the golf pro and his wife and the realisation on Tommy's face was so well captured. Yeah. Like he knows that story. And the fucking the, the cutaway to like that scene where Tommy was in the other prison the dude that committed the murder was fucking terrifying. That guy was yeah. freaky as fuck. He looked like fucking flea like the fucking red hot chilli peppers. Yeah. He kind of had that look to him but just how giggly he was. About fucking killing the golf pro and his hot wife, the hot woman, and the thing is, she's married to hot. Like everyone knows him as this hot shot banker, and is and pinned the murder on him, and he's fucking giggling like he's so fucking chuffed that he got away with this fucking crime. But it's the fucking fallout of it when they pass it on to, a uh, warden warden Norton, yeah, and. It's just Andy. He's like, go on. This is it. We've got the evidence. That's the guy. And Andy's like, I'm about to lose my fucking, like, prize horse. Like, yeah. I've got a third of it. This guy's doing wonders. Like, we've got fucking books for the library. We've done this and then that. Like, this place looks great. I can't lose you. 
So he just fucking refuses to believe him. And yeah. he, he plays off saying, I can't believe you got suckered in by it. I can't believe you, you were that gullible to fall for the story. And he gives him a, was it like a week in the hole, a month in the hole? I know. He, um, <clears throat> before that, it's when he does the whole, he plays a stunt where he locks the prison guard in the fucking bathroom. Yes. And locks office and because plays of, the music over the... All the library books of game and then they've got the, the PA system. Yeah. And it plays the classical music. Yeah. I like how Red used to refer to it, well, refer to it as... It's like they were listening to angels singing and... It was his... Is it, fuck it, I'll get myself in trouble for this. Just drop yeah. a wee bit of culture on these boys. And as he gets two weeks in the hole... Yep. But then immediately puts him back in for another two weeks... Right uh, after it, yeah, but it's it's what he the fucking does with Tommy. Uh, when Norton agrees to meet with him. Yeah, you knew that someone, especially when he a meeting in a wee alleyway, like it's at the side of the prison, and it's dark, and it's dark. Nay, nay, cunts around. Tell me, is this the truth? Yep. Would you go to court? And it's like definitely. I fucking owe Andy everything. And then it's like fucking four shots. Uh, and it's just like, yep, fucking Norton is a fucking weasel. Fucking, like, total raging. Shouting at my telly, just like, fucking so fucking pissed. Because it's like, there it is. There it is. Andy, it, he's been such a good bastard. He's done all these things. He's changed lives. And now, like, karma's come around and he's getting out. Oh, nope, the warden's just killed the fucking key witness. And now Andy's just in prison. And it's when they open the... Yeah. the fucking door when he's in the hole and they tell him the kind of the news and he's well they've already told him he's just this broken man on the floor and yeah. it, it's it's Norton that it's at the door wasn't it he was saying something yeah. about it's like the kid had such potential it's a shame it happened the shame you, you tried to fucking make a run for it and we had to shoot him uh, I tried to make a like, excuse for him ah, yeah, he used his fucking gun just but, um, dirty like, I'm always like Right, see, I, I forgot about the whole like Tommy thing when I was watching it last night. Yeah. And I was like, like watching the film, and I was like, do we ever find out if he like was innocent or if he did like commit the murder or not? And like, like a part of me was like, a part of my head was like, Tommy, was, like, 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 what if he did actually do it? But yeah. And like, I was like looking on online today, and like fucking all these articles and stuff, and like magazines and books and stuff were saying that. Even though you get like the story for Tommy and like, you can't yeah, you can't like fully fucking take his word for it and stuff like that. It's never fully like addressed if he did do mm-hmm. or didn't do it. Yeah. And then people were saying that um like like he done it because he's like he's cold, he's calculating that and like he done it the minute he went into prison he knew that he was gonna escape and that was the reason why he asked for that fucking be pickaxe and stuff, yeah. and that he wrote red in, and like Tommy was like a fucking product to him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then like breaking out and getting away down to Mexico with all the Warren's money and stuff. And it's like because he was also a banker, he's clued up. Yeah, kind of exactly what he's doing. But I mean, I quite like the idea that maybe he did do it. And yeah. I was kind of, and I was just maybe wondering earlier when I was watching it last night. I was like. Because like, you do see like shit in prison forms where like, or even like stuff like that where like, the guys just like admit that they've done it just because that's what everybody wants somebody to hear. Mm-hmm. It could be like a twist ending sort of a la uh, Usual Suspects. Yeah. 
with fucking Spacey changing his walk at the end, yeah. and, and he kind of real reveals. Like, I would have been. It would have been a big fucking surprise if they did do that at the end of this film. Because yeah. you were kind of rooting for him, like this innocent, this man wrongly accused. Yeah. But I, it, it's just when obviously you packed all the stuff, and when he just, it's that sequence where he gets out, pulls his shirt off in the rain, and it cuts to him walking into the bank dressed up perfectly now assuming the identity of this man he created yeah and i loved how he was explaining it to red and red was just flabbergasted it's like it's amazing what he could have done with like having a written letter he's got the birth certificate the driver's license the social security number and so it just walks in with all the books there it mm. is and was it he visited how many banks that morning it was like six or something yeah. wasn't it and just fucking emptied rinsed them yep and it just it didn't make sense when they got to him at the end and he's there sitting trying to fucking sand the scabby boat that's washed up and it's like you should be on a brand new ship you should be in should fine, be on a fucking yacht like the Wolf of Wall Street <laughs> there with <laughs> but but obviously like, I, I did like that whole sequence and that where I showed you um like for the minute he got that wee pick at a sentence book, because what was it? He was writing his name on the wall. Yes. And a bit of the... Ah, uh, the, the fucking... Brick, I, like, fell off. Exactly. It looked like it was made of fucking... Plaster. Yeah. Like, fucking sand. It just, like... Because he was just writing the A, and just at the end of the letter, fucking chunk the size of, like, a... Like a ball. Like a... Like a pool ball. Came off, and like, all right. And he's like, well... I guess I'll just continue and I like how it wasn't just a straightforward digging a hole in the wall to the exit it was a digging a hole to the wall to, into the background like where all the tunnels were looked around and then it was the fucking the sewer pipe yeah and he's timing the strikes of the pipe with a fucking boulder aye with the lightning yeah and when that third one and like yeah. the fountain of shit that come out yeah aye and it was, was good seeing them 500 yards yeah, and it's the famous line, fucking Andy the frame crawled through, oh, it was like half a mile of shit and came out clean on the other side. Yeah. yeah. But I liked the bit where it was like, like when I was showing him tunneling into the wall and stuff and he was like, at night time, like, trying to get rid of the soil. That, like, I, I was like, like, I suppose it's, it's like amazing what a man can do if he keeps his mind busy or something. Exactly. And it's him like, underneath his poster, fucking chiseling away. Yeah. And, and he's just walking about the fucking the yard, just total shuggling all the mm-hmm. fucking excess dirt out and stuff. Now, is that not parodied in a Naked Gun or Spy Hard? Something like that, I think. Because I remember them going around and they're emptying the sands in their pockets and there's like big mountains uh, uh. and somebody's going to make the save on a baseball game and they just run into a fucking mountain of sand <laughs> and they kind of touch the plate. <laughs> Aye. Uh, or is it Steve Martin? Uh, nah, it's definitely Leslie uh, Nielsen, I think. But I just might remember that being the famous parody of fucking, it. He then sends the letters. Yep. Yeah. And the, the fucking Norton gets the Bible sent back to him. With the pickaxe. Uh, where it was like, what was it? The line said something about trust within the book or uh, never lose faith. And it was... Like or faith lies within, and he opens up, and it's that's where he hollowed out the Bible to hold his fucking pickaxe. Yeah, 
And they're just like, oh, you played, you played them all along. Because the only things that they, they changed was saying like, it had small contraband, but it was, the posters of the ladies got bigger. Yeah. And there's just that brilliant moment where he wasn't in the cell. How's he doing in the cell? Looking around. Like, well, where the fuck is he? And he's picking up like, the chest piece and just chucks it at the poster. And it's the sounds of it ripping, like hollow. And like, the fuck is that? And I think Red was there. Uh, yeah. Hadley and Norton. Yeah, because they were asking Red where. Exactly. <laughs> and it just, Hadley just goes fucking out, right up to his shoulder, right through the poster and just rips it. And all three of them's looking through the hole. And it's like, oh, it's fucking genius. I mean, as I guess you've not a bit like everybody talks about it. Yeah. How did he get that poster back up on the wall when he was in that tunnel? Well, for some of the shots, it was like he was hiding underneath it. Ah, yeah, that's Where, what I think it is. One thing, it looked like he was having a wank behind the poster. Like if the, the warden was like, all right, Andy's been dirty the night, let's just <laughs> walk away. But he's actually secretly tunneling. I had three posters there. It was... Um, ah, Rita Hayworth. Rita Hayworth. Um, somebody else. And was, then... Well, what's her name? Fucking Marla, Marla Monroe. And then it was um, Raquel Welsh. Yeah. And I think it would just more or less for, either for the size of the posters because yeah. just to hide behind, to hide that massive hole he was tunneling out. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Uh, I could, I would, could say maybe that running on at the end kind of feels, as you said, like fucking uh, Return of the King, just yeah. never ending. Because the running time of the film, we've said, is two hours, two, tw- two seventeen. Yeah. And me, I could just imagine that I probably could have done fine at two hours. Yeah. Completely. Maybe it'd be quite hard to kind of chop 17 minutes off of it, but... Yeah. That ending, I felt like, could have been a little bit shorter. Oh, where he goes to just, Mexico. Aye, where that. you just get to see Red's journey, where it looks like he's going to end up like uh, Brooks. Where it looks like he's going to yeah. hang himself. He's doing the same shit. He's, when he finds the fucking... He's got the same hotel room. Yeah. And he's sitting, he's like, Red was here too. <laughs> Brackets, did not hang myself though. <laughs> it's when he finds the fucking box with the chess pieces in it. Yeah. Under the pile of fucking rubble and all that. Aye, and he's got the fucking black, like that black crystal, it was like the rock. He, like he described everything to a T. If you go up here, go there, you'll find a black rock. Underneath the black rock, you'll find a little tin. And... It's almost like a sender one, like a fucking, like a, Treasure hunting. Yeah. Uh, who who steals the film for you? Is there one character that just fucking makes it? Um, I mean, you would probably say Andy because it is his story, but then again, it's Red's story as well. Ah, I'm kind of leaning towards Red. Because obviously you do get, like, his two appeals, like his fucking two parole hearings. Aye. And, and then he gets his third one and he gets released mm-hmm. and, and but I mean oh I, part of me was wanting to say he would a little bit because he, he's a bit of a schmuck I remember when they were going through the fucking uh, books in the library and he can't even say the name of the authors and he's like oh, like the Count of Monte Cristo and he's like bye dumbass <laughs> dumbass <laughs> and it's like dumbass yeah. Like, oh, and fucking Red's pissing himself laughing in the background. Yeah. How fucking thick he is. Yeah. Aye. 
Like those characters, I always fucking feel for. I forgot about that bit. Uh, and it is a fucking brilliant because he's really like, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Proper chuckle there. Yeah. Um, try to think. I don't know. Fuck it. I'll probably. Be, I think it's probably Andy. Yeah, it's, it's like one of the biggest roles Tim Robbins ever. Yeah. Is done. Um, the score for the film is done by Thomas Newman, who isn't like a big name composer. Mm. I've. A lot of his credits, he does seem to work more as a conductor. He's been the conductor for like the last three James Bond movies. Alright. He's done a whole fucking rake of TV shows. Um, I'm actually interested in, in watching this new Stephen King TV series that came out last year called Castle Rock. Uh, and it's, 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 it's just a series set in the Stephen King universe. So... I think it mentions Shawshank's the prison. Um, Castle Rock is supposed like a town that neighbours onto Portland, Maine. And obviously, Stephen King's books are all kind of famously set in Portland, Maine. Yeah. And I noticed like the the production company on this film was Castle Rock Entertainment. No. So I did come if that's maybe like Stephen King uh, production company. Yeah. Maybe had a hand in it, but fucking uh, Thomas Newman was the conductor for the theme music for Castle Rock, the TV right. series. So it's, it's neat to see that he still has a hand in it. Yeah. But you mentioned, again, Roger Deakins was, yeah. had a hand at cinematography. Um, it was nominated for seven awards, but it did not win a single one. I know, it's strange, isn't it? I mean, because Forrest Gump was a big winner that year. Yeah, right. Yeah, you had Forrest Gump, okay. you had Pulp Fiction, fucking... What else was in 94? Right. Kind of thinking... Robocop 3? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously... Forrest Gump was the... Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it is kind of... Like, the film is Oscar bait material. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if Forrest Gump had come out the year before, the year after... I think it probably would have won majority of the stuff. Aye. Yeah. Depending on the year, I'm not sure if they would have had a award for like adapted screenplay and I thought mm. that like that would be like a shoe in for this film, but yeah. they might have not had it at that stage. Uh, rewatchability. Could you visit this one often? Well that's what I was saying, like if if ever it's on telly and that Michelle will always turn it on. Yeah. Like the only bit she doesn't like is the whole bit where Brooks. Brooks are when he gets out and actually. Like I was watching it last night and I was watching her and it was when he went him and I knew he had the rope and, I, and she just went on her phone and I she like that fucking breaks her heart that bit. Yeah. Um but I was saying like if it's on telly, like if if I'm sitting in the living room and it's on like she'll probably stick it on. Yeah, that's it. If I ever see it on, I usually kind of will watch it for like 10, 15 minutes. Just because it's one of these ones, but I always feel like it's one that you have to watch for the beginning. Yeah. So I probably wouldn't watch it too often, but if I had a good release, because you own it, so yeah. is it just like a standard blue? Yeah, uh, I can't actually fucking remember, because when you say that it was on Amazon, I was like, I'm just going to watch it on Amazon if I want to search for that. Aye, because that's it. It could be one of those films that are fucking steeped in special features, yeah. or it's just just a fucking film, like just 
its own special features is a scene selection menu. Yeah. But what like the old ass DVDs in the day. Yeah, but I remember my dad had it on DVD. You got it free with the sun paper, and it was in a cardboard sleeve. Sleeve. Yeah. Special features. Uh, Just the menu. Menu. Yeah. <laughs> um, scene selection. The only little bit of notes I what left is it does it merit number one on the IMDb top two fifty list. It is. It's one of those ones where like because it, it, obviously it sits at number one slots two and three is Godfather one and two. Yeah. And I kind of feel that they kind of rank as the greatest movies of all time. Like whenever there is a chart show. Yeah. Godfather trilogy is really well especially one and two ah yeah is your premier choice like everyone tends to love the fucking godfather yeah so i mean the thing is that i've i've only watched the godfather once and that was about 10 12 years ago Mm -hmm. and i feel that i'm at the age now that i'd probably appreciate it more Mm -hmm. and i mean like like i I enjoyed it the first because i think it was a day where i had nothing on and I ended up just sitting watching all three of them back to back during yeah. the day. And, like, I enjoyed the fuck out the first one. Like, loved the second one. I thought the second Aye. one was fucking brilliant. Ah, yeah, it's one of those ones where it's strange. First one is epic, but the second one, like, all the Bob De, De Niro stuff where he shoots that guy in the hallway with a towel wrapped around the garden. Yeah. And... It's, a, it's just, like, what it done with me was, like, see when the scene where Michael found out that um, Fredo was the one that tried to kill him and stuff like that mm-hmm. when he found out like and they were building up to something I was expecting a fucking huge huge showdown mm-hmm. and obviously you never got it it was a total it was a wee boat ride out into the lake and stuff like that aye but like because of what it done it invested in you you know yeah. it made you invest in the film and stuff and like I'll eventually get the time to fucking rewatch one and two again yeah Ah, yeah, that's one. I mean, the third then. I've I've seen it once. Alright, yeah. it's it's not great. mm. Sorry, but I I mean, the bigger argument is, Shawshank Redemption. I could see it in the top ten, guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, Number one, I'd taken how, and it's strange to see it's got like a million votes on top of the second place one, but I think it's just because of the amount of people that. Like that, eh? Yeah. Aye, and that's it. I'm, I'd hazard a guess. Like, I'm going to look it up right now. I want to see how much... I know Avengers Endgame isn't... It is in the 250. Yeah, is it lower in the 15, 20 mark now? It's, uh, I think it's dropped a lot lower now. Oh, is it? But... Because obviously when, during that first initial release, it was at fucking number three and number four. Aye, and they get like that. Yeah, because obviously... Because they're Red Hot property. Yeah. But I feel there there could have been two two million people have probably rated Endgame. Yeah. So you think surely that? Let's see, uh, number nineteen. All right. Uh, <clears throat> that's an eight point seven. But let's not tell me. Uh, right there, you go. Eight point seven by four hundred fifty-eight thousand uh. people. So that's it. It must come down to that actual mass amount of people. Like if 
two million people voted it fucking nine stars because I think the top score is 9.2 yeah so if 2.1 million people rated Endgame that's it but the fucking as far as I've known and known about the IMDB top 250 Shawshank has always been king of the castle yeah and I mean, it's got an 80, an 80 rating on Metacritic. Godfather's got a flat 100 yeah. on Metacritic. Mm-hmm. Godfather 2's got 90. Dark Knight's got 84. 12 Angry Men's got 96. Yeah, so in different ways, it's just the sheer fact that somehow another million people voted on Shawshank Redemption. It makes you think there was a, like a glitch that's never been fixed. It's Who's amazing. There? Oh, that got 1.6 million votes. Aye, so its overall score will yeah. then be must be that lower. Dark got 2.1 million. Yeah, and that's it. It comes down to how many people voted and what number it's yeah, kind like, of settled like what on. Consistent number it is. Yeah. I mean, look at could the bad others only got like, 625,000 votes. But it's fucking purely, I guess, 10 out of 10s. I guess. Yeah. It's strange how they do it. Um. Forrest Gump has got 1.6. Uh, it's just fucking mm-hmm. madness. So, um, BBT? Yeah. Cool. Um, where am I? What do you think the budget for this one was? 50. Oof. No. Nah. Mid-90s, uh, 25. <laughs> okay. Let's lash that budget in half. Do you think it made his money back? Yes. Domestically, it only made 28.3. Oh. Well, that's how I guess if it was overlooked at the Oscars as a yeah. long-ass prison film by, at that stage, that was prior to Green Mile, so... Yeah. Darabont wouldn't have that big name, like a big feature behind him. So aye. Mm. It just made its money back. For a market, it took in 30 mil. Aye. But when I was reading the trivia stuff today, it got Mary its like, praise during home release. Yeah. It was deemed a financial fucking, like a box office failure yeah. when it came out and stuff. But it made all its money and stuff like that, like foreign and like through like home release and stuff mm-hmm. um, I mean overall 58 mils alright for 25 so it made its money back and change exactly double its money uh, trivia what oh, nice format. so it was the first IMDB title to have over 2 million votes mm-hmm. um, Frank Darabont watched Goodfellas Every Sunday while filming and drew inspiration from it using the voiceover narration and the passage of time. Oh, Obviously, that's really what I've done the narration and Aye, and, it, and stuff exactly. Like that. That's that's actually a really good comparison. Um, Andy and Red's conversation in the prison yard uh, the first time it uh, took over nine hours to film, in which Morgan Freeman threw the same baseball for nine hours straight. And did not complain once. Next day, he showed up in a sling. Ah! <laughs> oh, I wonder how it took nine hours 
Was fucking Tim Robbins just fucking up his lines or? <laughs> Try to get all that dirt out of his fucking trousers. <laughs> but I mean, imagine just like showing up to work all day just for nine hours, you're like this. I uh, could, could we just do something different? I'm getting really fucking yeah. tired. And my personal, personal favourite fucking trivia note John Favreau auditioned for oh. the role of Fat Ass. Oh. He later told Empire Magazine that it was his worst audition and encouraged them to lose weight. <laughs> no, poor but, chef. Yeah, that was a great fucking trivia note. It would have been a fucking amazing cameo, but... <laughs> so look, there's director Iron Man getting his fucking head There was another good trivia note, was that, um... Shit, the, um... You good? Aye. Yeah. Um, when Red was getting his parole thing stamped, the photos that was used. It's his kid, it's isn't his it? Kid. Yeah. And it was his kid that was seeing the whole fresh fish with the total reeling him in. Oh, that shit. Was him. Aye. Yeah. That I, was I just him. remember him being really enthusiastic about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to fuck your mouth. Uh huh. Fresh fish. <laughs> Aye. Yeah, that was his son. Because <laughs> um, it kind of looked a wee bit like Morgan Freeman Young, did I couldn't see it. When I was seeing, like. The, the photos on the, 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 the paperwork, I, I remember that being a, a trivia note about it being his kid, but I couldn't see the resemblance. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably have to see young pictures of fucking yeah. Morgan Freeman. The cunt, he's like Clint Eastwood, he's always been old to me. Yeah, because my first, my first memories of Morgan Freeman was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Aye. Yeah. I think it's just Shawshank. Oh, I don't think I remember him. Robin Hood when I was a kid. Do you remember him in anything any earlier? Yeah, and then it was seven, I kind of recognised him for. Aye. Man. Billy was saying, like, he's been old and everything for. Seen, I mean, like, I've still never seen that. The glory that he's in with Denzel Washington and Matthew Brother, that's like the Civil War film for the 80s. Yeah. No, I've never heard of that. Um, Amazon One Star Reviews. I like to encourage our listeners to visit filmsofswearing.com, click on the Amazon link, and do your shopping as normal. It's a great way to give us a little commission from your sale. It supports the podcast, and you get to buy yourself some cool shit at the same time. Now, the one-star reviews. George Angle Redemption has 955 reviews in total, 20 of which are one-star uh, 15 of those are like complaints about the Blu-ray, complaints about Prime Video, and complaints about dodgy discs. Uh, the only actual genuine reviews I found was uh, our first one from Debs. Horrible. An awful, a man's film, obviously. Oh. So, all the comments underneath that was like, Debs, that was sexist. And they pulled up her review in history. For some reason, she was just giving five stars to celebrity workout DVDs and then shitting on cit- cinematic oh, classics. Brilliant. Uh, the next one. This movie is best avoided. A better choice would be Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Hmm. That an arrow title. Aye. Why? I have no idea. Why the fuck goes like, Ken what's a better film? Escape from Alcatraz. And you think... Okay, prison movie from a classic age. That makes sense, but killer clown from outer space. What the fuck? I don't know what the f- 
Yeah. <sighs> and the last one star review, I'm highlighting the word one star, because this review reads, another great film with great actors. Full stop. Ah. One star. But the demon of great film. Great film with great actors. Okay. So, someone clicked the wrong button. I'm, uh, try, fucking, I'm trying to find what the features are on the Blu-ray. <laughs> and I can't see nothing on fucking Amazon. It does. It feels like it's one of those releases. The thing is, is I'm sure it's got a three-disc edition DVD, which oh. must be fucking loaded. Aye, styled it with special features. Yeah. I feel like you're going to get home, look at your Blu-ray, and it's like, oh, it's got a trailer. <laughs> Just give me that DVD. Yay, TV spots. But, um, next time on Films and Swearing Movie Podcast, our summer season commences. The poll finished on Sunday, no, Monday night, with 40 votes, and it is deemed that we will be covering the 80s. So yes, over the next 10 weeks, we'll be going from 1980 through to 1989, covering one, covering two films, I think. Next week we'll be starting with John Carpenter's The Fog. Yeah. So that will be a single review. And then from 1981 we'll be covering two films, one film each. And then I guess back to a single, then a double, then a single. Yeah. So on, so on. Uh, at some points we'll throw them up as Twitter suggestions if we can't decide which ones we want to watch. Yeah. We'll let Twitter decide. But remember last time, remember then, remember 1989 was a double review because... The review, the poll was tied on Tango and Cash and Roadhouse. Yes, and we did both. And we, I'm pretty sure we put it on a, we done a dead heat hour long poll and it finished the same as well. Yes, and, and we that's, just, well, that's what fucking decided it. I think we just decided just to yeah, do both. It went to sudden death and it still came up with the same result. Yeah. So yes, John Carpenter's The Fog will be the first one in our 80s season. And then we'll put up some polls later on from that episode. And you can help us decide where we go from there. Uh, other than that, feel free to follow us on social media at FAS Podcast. It works for Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And other than that, ladies and gentlemen, fuck off and tune in next week.